You're listening to Michelle Redfern and Mel Butcher on Lead to Soar, bringing you the best leadership advice and mentorship from around the world. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. Hey, Michelle, it's good to be with you again on Lead to Soar. Always good to be with you here on Lead to Soar, Mel. Excited, as always, to talk about a subject that matters for women at work and their careers, leadership, and advancement. Yes, and this is, like several subjects, one of your favorites. We want to talk today about the language of power. So when we're talking about the language of power in business, what does that really mean? Well, I'm going to take a step back before I answer that question and ask listeners, particularly our women listeners, to think about a time when they've ever been frustrated in a meeting where they've had a really great idea or expressed an opinion or in in any kind of forum, actually, and have been totally ignored or their idea has been dismissed, then shortly afterwards, maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's 30 minutes, maybe, maybe it's even the next meeting, another person, often a man, will express exactly the same idea, perhaps in a different way, and they are listened to and taken notice of. So listeners, if you've ever had that experience, this episode is going to be really useful for you because perhaps perhaps there's some tweaks to your language and the language of power is what we want you to use or utilize. And the language of power is the language of business outcomes, Mel. That's the short answer. I gave you the long one first. There you go. Outcomes, the language of outcomes. Okay. So language of power can be applied in several different types of conversations or settings. And a few of those are pitching an idea, setting team expectations, when you communicate about a decision you're making, and then a couple that we definitely talk a lot about in the network, describing your accomplishments and introducing yourself. So using the language of power or the language of outcomes applies in lots of our communication. So where do you want to take this conversation next? You're right. It does apply in a lot of situations. And and certainly we talk about a lot of those in the Lead to Soar Network. Where I want to take it today, though, is, is really, really practical. And I want to take it from the position of the CEO and what your CEO wants you to know and do. And there are some things that keep CEOs awake at night and being able to understand that and adjust your approach, your behavior and your skills accordingly is really going to put you in the CEO's good books. So that's, I think I want to take it from the CEO's perspective and then cascade it from there. Okay. It feels like it could be difficult to brush this with a broad brush here. What does the CEO want us to know? What do we need to understand about what keeps a CEO up at night? How can we give our listeners something that applies really broadly here, regardless of what sector they're in? Well, regardless of what sector, whoever your CEO, managing director, whoever's at the top of the heap in your organization, the thing is that person is really clear 
on their mandate and what they have to do to move the business forward. So if you're in a for-profit organisation and a listed company, your CEO knows that they have to grow the company. They have to grow shareholder value. So that means increasing revenue, increasing profit, reducing cash, delighting customers, etc. And if you're not in a a for-profit, so if you're in a for-purpose, it's about impact. What impact is our mandate to have? So how are we going to have an impact in our sector, so on and so forth. So it's the strategic and financial outcomes that listeners who've been listening in for a while, you know that we talk about this all the time. The strategic and financial outcomes that your organisation is aiming for is near and dear to your CEO. And that's what keeps your CEO awake at night. Not what they are, because that person knows them, because they've developed them. But how do they know that everyone in the organisation gets it and is working towards diligently, flawlessly, relentlessly working towards achieving those strategic and financial outcomes every single day? So the short way of putting that is if I'm the CEO, I know exactly what it's going to take to take this company forward. But how do I know I've got alignment all the way through my company and every person gets what I get and they are working every day in alignment with that strategic plan that I've got. So that's what's keeping CEOs awake at night. Mm, How do you know you've got alignment? That's a great question. Let's pull on that a little bit. What would you say a CEO wants their team members to maybe do more of or do better at? Well, the CEO absolutely wants you to know, no matter what your role in the organisation, they want you to know what that direction is. And what is fascinating is that a real life example. So every year I do a series of women's leadership development programs based on the missing 33% for a major organisation, listed organisation in Australia, one of our top 50 companies. And Around a year ago, this program that I run involves a strategic project, so a solving a wicked problem on behalf of the organisation. And funnily enough, this project that one of the teams of women was working on was exactly this. How do we create strategic alignment across the organisation for the goals? And there was a particular strategy that was the focus. However, when this team went out and spoke to a range of executives, senior leaders, mid-level leaders and frontline leaders, each one of those groups were not able to clearly articulate what the goal was and their role in taking it there. So the very first thing the CEO wants you to be able to do, particularly leaders, is to know what the goals are. The second part of that is where am I in the organisation and what is my job in moving the business forward towards those goals, my part of the business forward. And the third part, which is what we're talking about today, is how do I communicate that to the next level? Because if you think about a, you know, a waterfall here, the CEO's at the top, on, at the edge of the river and is pushing the water over. He's pushing, he, there you go, that was a Freudian slip. They are pushing the strategy and the financial and the strategic goals over the edge. The next layer catches them, then they push it on. The next layer catches it, then they push it on. The water at the top of the waterfall is still water at the bottom of the waterfall mill. But in business, the idea at the top of the waterfall where the CEO, by the time you get to the most 
junior or the frontline folks often doesn't resemble what it should. And that group of people has not been communicated to effectively enough and checked in on effectively enough to know what the goals are. Therefore, their activities aren't aligned. So so this is what's keeping CEOs awake at night. They know that they have to delegate to their team and then their team delegates to their team and so on and so forth. But somewhere in, we get messages lost in translation. This is a real issue for organisations and it plays out in all sorts of different ways, which we can provide evidence of. I think you and I were talking off air that there was a study done by one of the major consulting firms and they surveyed a whole bunch of executives in a huge amount of organisations about their time and the way they use their time. And only 42% of these executives said that they spent the majority of their time working on the strategic imperatives of the organisation. So 52% of executives are not working on a, a, the majority of the time, are not working on the strategic imperatives of the organisation. I bet they're very busy in meetings, eh? Oh, I reckon they're really busy. I reckon they're really busy. Yes, busy in a lot of meetings, in back-to-back meetings. You know, that's one of the expressions that I can't stand. So where is it going wrong? And the communication being really, really clear. Number one, what's my role in taking the business forward? And as a leader, how do I effectively communicate to others? And this is where the language of power, executive presence, strategic communication it's all wrapped up together and is absolutely imperative for leaders to have these skills and keep developing them and honing them, you know, sharpening the axe as someone calls it. Okay. I want to just weave this together a bit more to make it really clear for our listeners. So the piece of the language of power that you really want our listeners to understand today has to do with getting people in alignment, strategic alignment. Talk to us about what that looks like. And I'm imagining that we've painted a complex picture here. So if you're somewhere in the middle and you have people above you and below you, there's several directions that your communication has to go and where you have to use the language of outcomes. So help us understand that a little bit more. Yeah, so I think, as I said at the start of the call, the language of outcomes, it's actually understanding what are the outcomes I'm responsible for. So you will have key result areas, key performance indicators that are aligned to taking the business forward. So you knowing your KPIs and your boss's KPIs means that you've got a very clear framework in how you structure what you do, how you do it, and how you communicate about it to others. Now, we call this your positional purpose. What do they pay me to do around here? And your positional purpose is also an activity. And for those of our listeners who are in the Lead to Soar network, this is something that we coach and train our members on. It's really understanding what my role is in the organisation and how to take it forward. So what are my activities? What are my key responsible areas? So coach my people talk to customers and win new business, make sure that the cost control 
program is underway, you folks will have your key things. So it's about saying, listing them down on one side of the sheet, then saying, which part of what does this relate to? And if it relates to outcomes. So for example, talk to customers and win new business. That is about growth. So we talk about cash, growth, return, customer. That is about growth and customer. So we want to have a really good customer strategy. We want to bring our customers on board. We want to have profitable business, so on and so forth. So it's about individuals knowing that. As leaders, that positional purpose can be done at a team level as well. So hey team, what are we going to be famous for? What is our job around here? When we get to the end of the year, what's the CEO going to congratulate us for achieving or accomplishing? Will it be how many emails we've had and how many meetings we've had and the busyness that we all get caught up in? Or will it be how many new customers we've gained for the organisation? How we've increased revenue for the organisation? How we've decreased cost for the organisation? How we've increased productivity or efficiency or eliminated waste from the organisation? So those are the things that we have to really know as a team leader. And as a team leader, I have to be able to communicate that absolutely effectively. So wouldn't it be nice to have some more customers? No. Hey, team, this year, it's our goal to increase the number of customers by 15% and to grow the share of wallet for overall customers by 25%. And that's how we're going to measure our success. That's how we're going to measure whether we're going to be famous or not in this organization. So wouldn't it be nice to get more customers? No, let's get really specific. Our job is to get 15% more customers and to grow the share of those customers by 25% because that's contributing to the organizational outcomes. So that's the what we need to do. And then it's, okay, team, so we could have a team meeting every single day, but that's actually not going to help us achieve our outcomes. What we're going to do is have a stand-up at the beginning of each week to work out who's doing what, where we're doing it. And that stand-up agenda, because it'll be 10 minutes, whether it's standing up in your home or standing up in an office somewhere, we're going to talk about the goal for this week, which is... We've got X, Y, Z amount of customers to win. Here's the activities, yada, yada, yada. Who's doing what? Once a month, we're going to have a team meeting where we're going to go through an agenda based on the outcomes. So we're going to talk about customer. We're going to talk about people. We're going to talk about shareholders. And we're going to talk about the outcomes that we are responsible for in each of those. And the rest of the time, you're all going to kind of crack on with it and So for leaders right now thinking, I wonder how I might do that. I want you to think about your current rhythm, the current cadence and the way that you work. If I was to come in and just kind of hang around your organisation and follow you around for a week, would I see you actively, proactively engaged in actions, decisions, behaviours, activities aligned to the strategic goals of the organisation? If I was sitting in your team meetings, what would I hear? Would I hear you talking about customers, revenue, growth? (laughs) Would I hear you talking about how we're moving the business forward or tweaks to the strategy? What would I hear from you? 
the language of power is talking about the language of outcomes, but it's also weaving it in to your everyday activities. Yes, we talk about the language of power in terms of some of the the words we use and the phrases and the situations, but in your everyday life as a leader in the organisation, how many times could I look at you, observe you and hear, observe, really see, feel, hear you talking about how you're taking the organisation forward? These are the behaviours that go with the language, I guess, Mel. Mm. I want to pull on the thread around feedback for a moment. There's an example in Susan's book, No Ceiling, No Walls, that I'll share really briefly here. So she gives an example of giving feedback to a team member or a subordinate. And so instead of saying, your project management skills are outstanding, and that's why you've been chosen to lead the project team. I know you can get it done. So instead of that saying, our customer service strategy rests on completing the call center project on or ahead of schedule. Your project management skills are outstanding, and that's why you've been chosen to lead the project team. I know you can get it done. And this overlaps so nicely with what you and I have talked about on several previous episodes around how women are commonly not given feedback that is clear or actionable. And this is a great example of really getting to the heart of helping your team member understand why they're doing what they're doing and why it's important, how it contributes to a strategy that's bigger than just the project itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I've said this a lot, listeners, that I know that not everyone jumps out of bed every day with glee and says, yay, I've got to go to work. But increasingly, our team members are looking for more purpose. We're looking to engage their hearts and their minds and their efforts, but we must engage their hearts, their minds and their efforts and align those efforts towards what's important for the organisation. And to have a team member understand their purpose in the organisation, their positional purpose, is a hugely important way of saying, hey, Mel, you're not just a widget maker. You're a really important part of this team. Without you bringing in that call centre project on time, our customers are not going to benefit from whatever the initiative is, which means we're not going to be able to achieve our growth targets. So really having people hooked into that feeling that sense of purpose and worthiness and and I think that's what it comes down to you know we're no longer just post the industrial revolution and and folks I do acknowledge that I'm talking very broadly here and there are so many different layers of this but for knowledge workers it can sometimes feel like we're a long long way away from the action and if we're at frontline or even frontline managers we can feel a long long way away from the action except if you have a leader who is super, super good at strategic communication and can explain to you how absolutely critical your work product is to making the business successful. I myself have been a recipient of that kind of leadership and it is outstanding. It's motivating. I was a call centre worker. I used to answer hundreds of calls every single day, but I knew how important my job was because someone once said to me, Michelle, 
And there was, I think, about 100 of us in this particular area. And I said, Michelle, each one of you, you are the directors of first impressions for Telstra. You are Telstra to our customers. It's not the organisation. It's not the boss down the hall. It's not the boss in some big city office somewhere. You are Telstra for this person and you matter because that customer just sees you and hears you. And I went, cool. That That is really cool because other than that, I could have treated it like a, okay, here's another damn customer. So that was clever strategic communication. And yes, that person knew what mattered to me. They knew what buttons to push with me, which of course is another part of what we talk about with leaders. To engage the greatness in others, you have to seek it out and you have to know your people. But we've got to help people find purpose in their work. And part of that purpose is your job is really important. We don't have you here for fun. We have you here to do some really important things that take our business forward. And for me, this is using the language of power. So your job's important, Mel, because it's going to help our company grow. Every time you talk to a customer, they love us because they love the way you talk to them and they keep buying from us. They keep re-signing their contract, whatever the, the product is. They love you, Mel, because of the respect you show them, the problem solving that you have for the customer. You just make everything smooth for them. So they are not going to look at a competitor because they know when they come to company Y, they've got Mel to rely on to do what they need to do. That's the important part instead of, oh, Mel, you're so good with customers. You're awesome. Yeah, thanks. No, Mel, you help grow our business because our customers love you and stay with us because you do stuff for them. So customer is one of the you know outcome-based language. Revenue, outcome-based language. Growth, outcome-based language. Efficiency, return, you know, uh, productivity, all outcome-based language. And these are the things that I really want leaders to pay attention to, to deepen their language. And the other thing too is it positions you as someone who has executive presence. And for those of you who are listening for the first time and haven't heard our definition of executive presence, which again, a lot of people are told, oh, you've got to have more executive presence, Michelle. I go, okay, can you tell me what that is? Hmm. Hmm. Here's what it is. Executive presence is being able to attract and hold the attention of the people in front of you whilst delivering a business savvy message. A business savvy message is using the language of outcomes. So yes, you've got to have all of the, the stuff around engaging the people in front of you and being drawing them in. But unless you're talking the language of business, the language of power, they're going to stop paying attention. So that's what executive presence is. And it can be used at every level in every organization. Yes, it's going to be different based on where you are in your career, where you are in your organization, but it can be used. Okay, let's put a nice little bow on this for our listeners. So it doesn't matter what level you're at in your career, the language of power, the language of outcomes is something that you can learn to use now and you can apply it to a number of different types of communication with subordinates, peers, and superiors. And there's a number of places where it's important to use, like when you are doing your authentic and gracious self-promotion, introducing yourself, when you're giving feedback, and when you're communicating with people in your company about work to be done, work that's been accomplished. What else, Michelle? 
that is a really neat way of, of wrapping it up. But I will wrap it up by saying this is what your CEO wants you to know. Your CEO wants strategic alignment across their company. And if your CEO sat down next to you right now and said, hey, what do I pay you to do around here? You'd be able to tell them and they'd be really pleased and you'd give that CEO a good night's sleep. <laughs> right. So you wouldn't say, oh, well, I'm an accountant. No, you would say, hey, I'm keeping the money safe so that we've got plenty in reserve for the next time a global pandemic hits. There you go. <laughs> That's going to get their attention. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Michelle. No worries, Mel. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lead to Soar. We sincerely appreciate your honest, positive reviews. You can leave questions at leadtosoar.com for Michelle and Mel to answer on future episodes. Until next time, we hope you'll use what you've learned here and lead to soar.